Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I am your co-host, Sam Fain, joined by the tournament master, Todd Gershel. Todd, how are you doing tonight? I am doing good. Yeah, just got back uh, from a vacation for a couple days and uh, just kind of came back and getting everything back in order. Already have uh, a bunch of uh, things packed up and ready to go to people in the mail. Fantastic. And getting ready to uh, to record some roll ups. So. Make 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 some people's days with uh, that wonderful Phil Singer Games package of goodness. Um, that is the plan. Speaking yeah. of packages of goodness, it's April the twentieth. Uh, it's, 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 it's 420. We're going to celebrate in style. No, not quite like that. This is a, it's an all ages show, but we are, however, in our main event going to do a little, uh, legend spotlight. We're going to keep it brief tonight. A legend spotlight on the one and only Mr. 420 himself, Rob Van Dam. Um, should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we get to that, we will, of course, go over the usual news and notes from Fed HQ. We had a couple of announcements this week, the first one being for War Games 2092 Reimagined with the one and only Omega. His manager card, of course, came out. He announced his permanent retirement from the ring. Um, he would take over managing his son, Star Warrior. Um, artwork looks great. <clears throat> I, um, you know, I, I thought that, to me... The progression, we'd already obviously seen some updates by this point uh, of, of certain cards, um, but to actually see a wrestler retire uh, and, you know, become a manager, I always remember thinking that this was just so damn cool. And 2092, you know, also had the distinction, of course, of bringing in a commissioner because we had Commissioner Carter. So I, I, I'm, I'm jazzed about, you know, this new this new artwork, and uh, I, I always loved 2092. It was, you know, kind of... Um, I think I, I think in my initial Fed I got up to about 2094 maybe um, before I before I cut things off. But 2092 obviously was a huge year. Um, I know I slowed down playing um, a little bit around that time, uh, but yeah, I, I obviously got a lot to look forward to with with chaos um, yeah. coming. But uh, but let's talk a little bit about Omega. What are your memories of Omega and, and thoughts on this art? Yeah, you know, but you know, I think I've mentioned before that my Fed officially started in 2093. So, you know, I never really had Omega as a wrestler in my main Fed timeline. So, like, I've always <coughs> been a manager. So, you know, this when I started, this was you know the, the set right before it. Um, and yeah, so it was cool. I was like, okay, all right, he's a, he's you know st- still with Star Wars and whatnot, but you know he's, right. he's no longer there. And you know, with with this art, um, you know, we were going for it was like. You know, just kind of aging who we have a bit. You know, we did have some reference art from and coloring from the Chuck Carter art online. So we kind of used a little bit of that and with just kind of updating his look. And yeah, he's maybe a little bit buffer than maybe that original art, but, you know, so is the, uh, you know, Omega right. in, 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 the, in the first set, in the 2087 set. So, um, yeah, I think I think it definitely fits. And yeah, and, and it's funny, I, I, I sent it, you know, originally I think uh, Werner had put a star background behind it. And I'm like, no, like, can you kind of like put him in, you know, like some type of like a desert thing or something like that. And uh, he came back with that. I thought it was great. Tom uh, saw it. He's like, oh man, he looks like he's from Sedona. So I'm like, oh yeah, of course, of course, Omega's retired now. He's going to Sedona. He's yeah, like, oh, I'll keep right. an eye out for him. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that I think it's it's really cool. And and you know, I think one of the things that obviously at the, that particular point in time, you know, when 2092 came out, we were getting this retirement uh, of Omega and the transition mm-hmm. into the managerial career, but 
one of the things that, of course, is always worth mentioning is that Omega's best days were already well behind him when the first set came out, which was also one of the cool things about the story. I think it added to the texture. We've talked about this before on the podcast, the idea that the GWF had a history. You know, even when we got that very first set and cracked things open, things had happened before. Um <clears throat> Now, of course, through the benefit of the classics and early classic stuff, we we, you know, we were able to flesh all of that out and get that Omega in his prime card and, you know, have the opportunity to tell that story. But even then, Omega had a story before the GWF, you know, which I think is always kind of cool um, to, to remember. And, 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 and yeah. whether intentional or not, you know, is, is certainly keeping in line with the uh, initial, you know, GWF set as well. So, um it's it's cool, you know, as a manager for me personally, he never necessarily did a lot because I didn't see him as one that would be getting involved much, you know, it was more just sort of like he, he you know, he kept that that position of prestige. It, it, it's almost in if I'm thinking about it from a, you know, from a, an adult Sam, you, you know, booking the game kind of thing, it's his presence alone is enough to like sell tickets, like people are going to get to see Omega even if he's just standing there at ringside with Star Warrior, you know, but I didn't see him necessarily like doing a whole lot um, unless it was to counterbalance something that maybe, you know, the opponent was trying to do, which, of course, is uh, the whole point. Right. But um, he wasn't going to just interfere on his own. He wasn't going to just, you know, distract for the sake of distracting. You know, it was always one of those things where it's like if 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 the you know, the villain gets the upper hand on Star Warrior through some sort of dastardly means, then, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and use, you know, Omega's distractor rating if they get a cover or something like that, just to kind of point out and be like, no, they were doing this. But um Always just kind of interesting when you have that, those baby face managers um, in those in those particular situations. And uh, again, just the idea of being able to have that transition into a new role, I thought was was cool. And um, yeah, uh, yeah that was it was really neat seeing that first transition. I mean, you had like, you know, as far as, you know, a similar role, maybe on the good guys side, uh, it's probably trainer Jim. But, you know, like, he, you know, he was like a trainer, but not really an accomplished wrestler. And so they're right. not having an accomplished wrestler guiding like the next generation there, I think that's, you know, that that's a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and the funny thing is with Trainer Jim, like I never saw a, an issue with him getting involved. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, sure, like I always sure. felt like Trainer Jim would be a little bit more proactive and be like, oh, I'll, I'll wallop you one, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool um, to to get the, the manager card for Omega. And of course, at some point we're going to get the commissioner card later on down the road, but um, always fun with the reimagined sets, getting, getting a look at new artwork and, and seeing if there's a any new kind of bells and whistles that get added. Um, I doubt that. Yeah, there's I going think to be he, he like needs st- a he needs a chart as well because he. I don't think the original yep. card did, didn't have a chart. It didn't. So, that's right. Yeah, so we'll have to figure out what that is. I, mean, I think each one of the ones that we've done has been pretty unique, and you know, maybe you're saying something kind of reflecting. Uh, you know, him maybe stopping interference more than any of the, of the other sides. That would be like cool, that. actually. It was a kind of a reactionary thing, like roll on this card thing. when you know. Like he's X not going to be more offensive with the with the with the interference. Right? He's going to be more like trying to stop the other guys. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of neat. I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you guys cook up. Um, uh, of course, on the Indies side, we also had mm-hmm. an announcement. That announcement just came tonight, and that is for uh, the Suplex Assassin, Alex Kane. Uh, Alex Kane is uh, just recently uh, became the MLW International. Oh, what the heck is the name of that title? I can't believe I just muffed that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, only do you want to take a pause? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, We're not going to edit nothing. Are you kidding me? 
me, that would be too much work at this point. Uh, no, he um, he of course is the their 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 current. Um, Maybe I should edit it. Uh, he's currently signed to Major League Wrestling, where he is the MLW well, is, National uh, Openweight Champion. That, that, yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> he won that title in a in a five way ladder match uh, at mm-hmm. War Chamber. The title was vacant when he won the title, um, so he's been champ now for uh, about five months, um, which is which is pretty cool. And of course, uh, his opponents in that match included um, Indies uh, wrestlers uh, Myron Reed and ACH, who are also of course in the game as well as Zinchi and Alex Shelley, who are unfortunately not in the game. Uh, but uh, he, he's just kind of an incredible talent. One of those guys that, um, you know, his size, uh, he, he packs, you know, he packs a lot into to what he's working with, he, you know, 5'11", 240. So he doesn't necessarily have that height, but he certainly got that, you know, that mass, um, but super fast. Um, he's uh, got just a ton of suplexes that'll throw at you, uh, you know, got a great ground game as well. Uh, has that collegiate wrestling background, um, and uh, he's been around for you know about four years now, um, and uh, yeah, just just a, a beast of a guy. Uh, actually, did a 500 pound deadlift without using a, a belt for support. <laughs> so uh, lots of raw power and explosiveness, um, and uh, somebody that just really glad to have in the game. Great, great signing. Uh, I believe this one was indeed by Zeke, and yeah, it, yeah. it'll be. Yeah, uh, it, it, I think uh, MLW last year uh, there. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, the, the, the guy's got, you know, an awesome look there. We tried to capture that in the card. I think, I think he really, he really liked the art, how that all came together too. Um, uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's definitely a, a great prospect to have in there for sure. And, and I think being, being part of this best of set was definitely a big fit. And then we have a lot of MLW fans, you know, we want to make sure, you know, all the different kind of sides of the, of what you consider indie wrestling are going to be represented there for sure. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I think that that is one of the things that, um, you know, hopefully we continue to do a good job on is being able to, uh, represent, you know, different areas. I think that MLW, you know, it's, it's fits the indies scheme in a lot of ways based off of the talent that they use. But at the same time, MLW is a national promotion. Like they're, they're not a regional, you know, indie, like a lot of the smaller indie promotions are and that sort of stuff. But clearly a lot of the talent that they do have came through a lot of those uh, organizations. Um, And so anytime we get the opportunity, obviously to pull in people from like MLW or, you know, even an impact, um, you know, we'll certainly take, take that opportunity and put them into a set. But, uh, you know, for me personally, I know you and I have had this conversation before I, you know, I want to, to find those guys that aren't necessarily working with some of those national promotions just as much, you know, as, as we've got, um, you know, the guys from, from MLW and impact. So hopefully we'll be able to continue doing that. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're trying to represent all the different parts of, of the indie wrestling with this best of and kind of, you know, yeah, well, just you know, having a much you know very inclusive you know type of type of group in there. So I think you'll see some pretty cool names coming yeah. out. You know, there might be some other names that might be from some, I guess maybe more national indie promotions. But you know there'll be some other ones that might be somewhere regionally based as well. Between yeah. that and uh, Prime as well. And it's great too because you just you think about kind of the the, the regional scene and you, you just about every area of the country you know I think right now has a very healthy independent scene and mm-hmm. granted you know they're pulling uh, some of those wrestlers are basically just going all over the country and working at you know various promotions and uh, so you know you got a lot of touring acts as opposed to just you know people who are staying in one area so it's obviously you know has its differences from 
the old territory days. But uh, when you look at, you know, the, just the, the way that the Northeast promotions in particular are flourishing, you know, you've got um, you know, so many great promotions in the New York area and, 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 and you know, all through Connecticut and Maine, Pennsylvania, um, down into Maryland, uh, you know, head further south into like Virginia, North Carolina, and so on. There's just, you know, there's so many great promotions uh, uh, throughout the East Coast. And then, of course, you head over to like the, the Cleveland area with AIW, and then you come to Chicago with AAW, and you yeah. go up to like Pacific Northwest. West, there's stuff going on there. California, I mean, California's got, you know, multiple promotions that are, that are doing, you know, great work. And then you head down into the South and, you know, into like Tennessee, Georgia, et cetera. There's, you know, some great promotions there, Texas. Um, so there's, there's just a wealth of regional promotions, um, that I, I think, Anytime we get the opportunity to sign people that are working in those promotions, it's great for our promoters because we've got promoters all throughout the country. And, and obviously, you know, when it comes to the indies, we certainly don't want to ignore other areas. But let's face it, if we're being completely honest, you know, the independent scene in, in, in a lot of other countries right now is not necessarily. Oh, oh, you know, oh, oh. I, I have Zeke calling me on the phone. Zeke right is now. calling. Could he have good news? Can we break some news? I, I don't know. Let me show I have answered on the on the. On the Do podcast. it. Why not? Why not? We've never done this. Hey, Zeke. Hey, you Hey, good, good. Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, you're on the podcast right now. You're on uh, Roll Up. You're, you're, you're on the air, Zeke. You're on the air here with uh, no, Sam and okay. Todd. <laughs> uh, we were just uh, talking about uh, Alex Kane and just kind of the makeup of the Best of the Indies set. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I actually had to call. I called you because I had to ask you a question about that, but I won't ask you right now. Oh, okay. Well, we got some, we got some, <laughs> uh, some secret news there. All right. Uh, is is there anything um, anything you think that uh, people who are looking forward to Best of the Indies, uh, something maybe something else, some, a little hint towards one of the other names coming up that you want to give people? Oh, for the, oh, coming up in the set. Yeah, yeah. One more guy. One more guy. Just get a hint of of, of who might be coming up. Um, well, there's, there's one guy. I'm not, I wasn't sure if he's going into the set or from what a prime though for back. Um, I just, I was, yeah, one thing I wanted to tell you about, I just got, I just got a message from someone, but I, I don't want to say that right now. Oh yeah. We won't say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was on Tuesday. So, but, uh, well, there's one guy coming. Well, Alex King got announced tonight, and he's from Major League Wrestling. Yeah, and he might. He he's. We could. I I can say that probably that he's not the only guy from Major League Wrestling coming in the okay. near future. All right, all right. That's so perfect. MLW fans, uh, I love that tease. Happy. Yep, that's a good one. That that's a good one. Ask him. Okay. Uh, ask him because I don't think he can hear me. <laughs> ask him. Uh, yeah, uh, you okay. know, kind of just his thoughts on Alex Kane and oh. um, you know why he's such an exciting signing for. Can, can, uh, Sam, I wanted to know uh, uh, what your thoughts were on Alex Kane and why he's such a great signing as part of this set. Well, he's he's a big name in Major League Wrestling. He's the national openweight champion, um, which is pretty probably like their second biggest champion uh, right now. Uh, he's, he's a great wrestler. He's got over a hundred suplexes in his arsenal, but he they're not all on the card, obviously. But uh, <laughs> um, but there will be more suplexes, than I think, any card that's that's that at least that I've been involved in is, is on there. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a great wrestler. He's got a lot of connections in the game. He's um, He's was trained by A.R. Fox. Uh, he wrestles. A, he's wrestled a several matches, at least against uh, AC Mack that I was watching uh, down for action, and and also in Georgia. I think in other, I think in other other places too, if I remember correctly. Um, he, uh, um, I saw this. I actually put on the board earlier tonight, and the, he's 
uh, with Blaster McMassive uh, from Chikara, who's Mr. Thomas in Major League Wrestling. He's in his corner, so as a pairing there, he, he feuds with uh, Calvin Tom, Calvin, that's because our Calvin Tankman, um, who's known as Cry, well, no, he calls him Crybaby Calvin. He can put up a t shirt on him. <laughs> uh, he's feuding with him in Major League Wrestling right now, so. And he's been, he, and when uh, Major League Wrestling had their recent uh, um, Azteca underground shows in Mexico, he made a, a lot of uh, derogatory comments about lucha wrestling and was upset about having to be in a lucha match. So there's, there's uh, I suggested on the board, you know, you could put in uh, uh, a feud against some lucha wrestlers too, I think, based on uh, the attitude he showed on uh, Major League Wrestling. So, yeah, he's, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different kind of connections that he'll fit to be in the game. Cool. Uh, he's, a, he's a good wrestler and uh, I was I was glad he said yes when I when I when I, uh, I I was able to ask him to to do it down in Dallas just a few weeks ago. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so yeah, when we were here, did uh, the MLW, yeah amongst uh, of the eleven shows or so that you went to, MLW was one of them. So that that was good good timing. You were able to get get that in there and get to talk to him. Yeah, I was I was I was I was happy to. He's a guy I've been wanting to talk to, and so. Um, so yeah, he uh, he. Uh, so yeah, it worked. It worked, it worked out, and, and uh, I did, um, and uh, Blaster McMassive. You know, Mr. Thomas was there, and he spoke. He said a good thing about the game too, which made it easy too. So cool, cool, excellent. Excellent. Should we should we should we uh, maybe on. take a quick pause? Take a quick pause and find out what Zeke has to tell us, and then we can come back and we can just be all giddy about it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us. We're gonna uh, pause here. We're gonna pause for the cause, and we'll be right back. Are you gonna really pause? That was so cool. Uh, we got a run in by Zeke, uh, and uh, he had the perfect timing. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, it was like, absolutely was perfect timing. Per- right? Happy four twenty. Um, again, has this is not it's, it's not a marijuana reference. We're just yeah, it's just celebrating. We're celebrating here. Um, that's really cool that uh, that Zeke was able to hop in there, talk about Alex Kane a little bit, and then of course off the air, tell yes. us a little a little news, couple updates. Yeah, so he, you know, a couple of different uh, clarifications about, you know, some moves and stuff like that, and kind of how he's, you know, structuring a couple of the guys that'll be in there. And one of the ones also that will be uh, in Prime uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like some of the art references for that we're trying yeah. to figure out. Which is yeah. cool. I love, you know, I mean, to have, we, we obviously we couldn't put that conversation on. I mean, well, we could, we could do whatever we want, but we're not going to put that conversation on the podcast uh, just because we want to obviously keep that under wraps until the cards are actually announced or released. But um, it is kind of cool to just think about the fact that, you know, the conversations that do take place uh, about things like, you know, a finisher, um, you know, what should I do with this finisher or that finisher, or is this font going to work or should I put this below yeah. this line? You know, the kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Um as well as, you know, like reference art and that sort of stuff. Sometimes the reference art is supplied by the wrestler. Um, yeah. Sometimes the reference art is, or reference photos are, you know, just go to Google or Instagram and hope you find something good. Um, I, I could I could tell you about that because <laughs> I, I do a lot of the reference things, yeah. especially on the indie side, you know, and, and sometimes it's more difficult there because it's like, yeah, like sometimes I do find uh, going through an Instagram or like, Facebook doesn't usually always have like good, good uh promo photos as you want to get is like the promo photo right and so they're usually like on the on instagram or like linking into some of the photographers instagram sometimes as well yeah uh, i'll find some good shots that you know at least some good poses but a lot of time i mean some depends on the guys sometimes the guys have some just awesome you know regular promo shots i try to use ones that are you know used more often as well that they're kind of more recognized for that they kind of 
Yeah, yeah, that's the most word. Sometimes I do. We will send them to the to the wrestler ahead of time if they've asked to see it. Right. Beforehand. Yeah. I, I know with, you know, with, with the people that I've uh, worked with, I, you know, I always send them the card, you know, just, just, just because I want them to be able to see it. And, uh, you know, even if they haven't necessarily asked to, I just always think it's really cool to be able to share it because most of the time they're super excited, you know, or in the case of like Jazzy, when we were talking about Jazzy, like, you know, she immediately like saw the card and was like, Oh, you know, can I, can I request that you do this? And we were able to make the change. No problem. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and she loved oh, that's it. Cool. That's she, cool. That's cool. When, when they do have that level of input, it's like, Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, so it's yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun, and uh, I can certainly say that all three of the names that that Zeke was talking about um, are are going to be great additions to the game. Three names that I am super excited about, frankly. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the names um, I think we actually I signed the name, and then I think yeah. Zeke signed the name, so they yes. technically signed twice. Um, but don't worry, it doesn't. But they make two out. cards, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think they deserve it. No, um, no. Uh, I think uh, the three great additions, and can't wait to to formally announce those names. Um, but moving away from announcements, of course, Galacticon, you know, the days are, are, are flying by here. And, All right, yeah. Uh, we're, yeah we're just know, a little, little over. I know. Uh, I got a lot to do. <laughs> we're, we're a little over, uh, well, no, about three months, I guess. Uh, I guess yeah, I was going to say a little over two months, but but it's really more like three months um, yeah. away from Galacticon. Uh, any, any news, updates, anything that we uh, want to talk about? Uh, nothing right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I just, you know, I said, just got back from spring break and stuff. So, right. uh, I'm now kind of going to get back into the groove of what's going on with, uh, Galacticon. Uh, I mean, the hotel block is out there. Definitely. You know, everything is kind of set up for the room. Um, we're working on some ideas for some different guests to have there. Um, and yeah, I kind of have the schedule set as far as all the tournaments and whatnot and how all that, that will structured. So, you know, nothing more to do there. The big thing is really the Friday night event. Um, uh, just getting more details right. around that at the, at AAW. So, uh, you know, it's getting a little closer now. I think AAW is kind of ready to kind of figure out how to, you know, best set us in there. I think we, you know, our plan is to have a table there. Uh, as well as, you know, a section of uh, seats, you know, for, for our group. And, yeah. Then, you know, setting up the bus back and forth, which, uh, you know, I've, you know, I, you know, have, have some leads on that. Thanks to uh, Michael Brada, uh, who is local to there. So uh, he is uh, like, oh, no, we're, we'll get you set up with that. So, um, yeah, so I, I think we, uh, we'll have a little bit more to announce soon as far as ticket prices. I think that's really the big thing at this point. Sure. Uh, and what's all included in that. So we'll probably have that. Um, my guess is we'll probably have full details on that uh, when we, about uh, the beginning of June, we're looking to do an online virtual event on the uh, first Friday, which is right before International Tabletop Day. Uh, so we'll have more details there. And then I think that'll be when we have Galacticon tickets available uh, that night with a lot more details. And we'll also have some game tournaments stuff and, and everything. And that'll be a free uh, event that we'll do as part of National Tabletop Day. And you know, who knows, there might even be some giveaways and you know some other things that might be available as well. Beautiful. 
So, I love it. More details on that soon, which will then have details on Galacticon. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> it's um, multi-pronged, you know. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. The marketing attack. No. Um. Yes. I, one thing I'll add real quick. Uh, AAW. If uh, you know, if you've not checked out their shows before, um, uh, you know, if you're interested in kind of getting a little bit of a primer before Galacticon, their next show, Never Say Die, which is Friday, April 29th, will be on Fight TV, 7:30 p.m. Uh, I believe that that's Central Time, so it'll be 8:30. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, on the East Coast, but uh, what a show that they've they've, they've got here! It's pretty stacked. Uh, the main event will be a steel cage match between Silas Young and Manders. Um, so mm. that's sure to 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 be a, a lot of fun uh, and painful for them. Uh, and then you've got the AEW Tag Team Championship match with the AEW Tag Team Champions Ace Perry and Hammerstone taking on Russ Jones and Heather Reckless. Um, a little intergender action there. Uh, Ace Austin defending the Heritage Championship against Myron Reed which I'm sure will, you know, have show-stealing potential, to say the least. Uh, Mike Bennett will be taking on Fred Yehai. Yehai is one of my favorite guys, and Mike Bennett has just, you know, done some really, I think, cool work since leaving uh, WWE. Um, Big Beef Gnarls Garvin will be taking on Josh Alexander. Any chance to see Josh Alexander is always a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Alexander has always, uh, uh, you know, kind of made a bit of a home out of AAW and done a lot of work there. And I remember the night that he uh, came back um, from injury. Um, and uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool uh, to, to see him uh, come out there because he'd been gone for, for quite a while due to an injury. Uh, the AAW heavyweight champion, of course, Matt Fitchett will be in action. Um, ACH is going to be there. Gringo Loco is going to be there. Shane Hollister is going to be there. Obviously, a lot of these names you recognize if you play the game because they have cards. Uh, Davey Vega, um, you know, just uh, some, some great, great talent. Eric Young will be making his AAW debut as well. Um, so it's going to be a big show. Uh, again, a great way to kind of get, uh, you know, into the product if you've not seen it before. It'll be on Fight TV April 29th, 7.30 p.m. Danny is not paying me to say those things. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> just, just telling you, just, just keeping the news going. Um, no, but I, I I might check that out, yeah, because I I admit I haven't been you know, keeping too much up on uh, regular AAW. I know a lot of the guys that go there, and I know they put on awesome shows. But uh, yeah, that, that'll be cool to kind of get a little bit at least into the some of the story, or you know, at least some of the the the, the vibe of AAW before going there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and honestly, they, I feel like the neat thing about AAW is that they have gone through uh, a lot of different iterations. And, um, you know, there was a time when I, I think just based on the landscape of independent wrestling in general in the country where they were a, a place to be on your way up, um, so many names came through there. Um, you know, you look at like Tyler Black, you know, held the title there for quite a long yeah. time. Um, you know, they really were in the same vein that PW. UG was kind of that West Coast super indie. AAW is the Midwest super indie for a long yep. time. And I think that just the due to the nature of the business and the way NXT kind of changed the game in a lot of ways, and AEW has obviously changed the game, they've changed. And 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 I think that it, they've not they've they've not lost anything. They've just kind of gone some different routes. So you've got some older, more mature talent on the card, whereas it used to be a lot of young faces mostly. You know, now you've got guys like Silas Young and uh, Josh Alexander um, and Mike been it guys who've been around for a while who've done their time in you know in some of the bigger promotions or whatnot um 
so it's cool. It's cool to kind of just see the the, the way that they've uh, adapted to the the changing landscape of professional wrestling, uh, which obviously a lot of promotions have. Although there are clearly a lot of indies out there that are still employing a lot of young, fresh, you know, talent in their early twenties, um, as opposed to guys maybe in their late thirties, early forties, and whatnot. Um, anyway, all that said, the last little piece of real world news that I wanted to talk about before we got to our main event tonight uh, is, of course, that Dynamite was this evening. And neither of us have watched it. <laughs> no, no. So we're not going to well, talk about AEW. But we did, however, of course, hear about the huge announcement, um, which is which is pretty damn huge, all things considered. Uh, and that is that AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling will present Forbidden Door on June 26th in Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> at the United Center. Um, and... Oh, I mean, it's it's it is definitely big big news, big deal. Uh, so many of the dream matches that people have been wanting for so long uh, are, are likely going to happen, or or perhaps be set up to happen at a later point in time. I know, uh, based off of some of the things that I've read, it, it definitely looks like we're going to see some AEW guys in the G one this year. Um, I think that you know you can you can pretty much bank on Brian Danielson being in the G one, so uh, he could easily set some cool stuff up at Forbidden Door, and I would love to see Brian Danielson take on anybody and everybody in that roster. Quite frankly, oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> now here's my question: uh, We were actually going to talk about this before we started recording, and then I was like, "No, let's save it. Let's save it." So here was what I was yep. going to ask you: If you're booking this show, do you put Brian Danielson in a singles match? And if you do, do you go straight for Tanahashi? Like, is that is Tanahashi the match that you go for with Brian Danielson at Forbidden Door? Uh, I would probably say no. Okay. Because I kind of like what's going on still with him and Moxley. And Moxley and his kind of uh, history in Japan – uh, and, and just kind of him kind of introducing Danielson into the kind of the new Japan yeah, uh, and, and, and setting up the G1. I kind of like them going as a tag team there together, but okay. who knows, like maybe they both go into the G1 and maybe they're in different brackets. Maybe they're in the same bracket. Like right. I kind of like that. Sure. Well. Sure. 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 Oh man. Yeah, I. It's funny because to me, it does feel like um, it does feel like that's kind of the the match. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I I think that in a lot of ways, Danielson Tanahashi. It, while it's not the the match, I suppose it's probably the one that if I'm booking that show, I might zero in on the putting the two of them together sooner rather than later, just because I feel like, well, um, I, I think he put Tanahashi in there, but it's Tanahashi and somebody else, I think is a tag team. Like who, who, like who, who's another, like on, on level that you'd want to bring in there. Like that. So if you're going to do the tag team, in my opinion, yeah. the, the match that you then go with is Tanahashi and Ibushi versus mm-hmm. Danielson and Moxley. Um, and, and, okay. and if you do that tag match, I mean, that's a huge freaking tag match too. Right. Yeah. Um, um, now, of course, the question is, will Ibushi be ready by then? Because he, he's on the sidelines with an injury right now. It certainly mm-hmm. looks like he would be ready by then because all plans are to have him involved in the G1, which would begin shortly after the Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he would probably be ready for that. And of course, if it's a tag match, it would be easy to you know potentially protect him if need be. Although if you know anything about Kota Ibushi, you know the last thing that he would do is allow anybody to protect him uh, or his neck. So um, <laughs> who, who knows if that'll happen or not. But of course, there's a lot... You know, there's so much depth and there's a lot more matches that, that could take place. Uh, you know, 
do we do CM Punk and uh, uh, Kenta, or or you know do you go uh, do you go CM Punk and Okada? Do you you know how do you think you put CM Punk into this thing? Yeah, CM Punk is definitely getting a singles match in this one too. Yeah, oh geez. Um, I mean, him and Okada. No, him and Kenta is really is the dream match. But is right. is Kenta? You know, is Kenta going to be doing this? I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, he. I mean, he works for the company. You know. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, unless you're saving it for a second one, but I mean, then why didn't you go all out on this first one? I think that's what right. they're going to do, you know? Yeah. I think you, I think you have to, I, I would rather see punk and Kenta get together sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, the thing is, is it is clear based off of comments that have been made on both sides that, the 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 roster like the the big guys they all want to work with Punk Tanahashi has has mentioned it recently in press Okada has mentioned it recently in press Naito has even said something about it uh, Shingo Takagi has mentioned it so it's like you've yeah. got like you know four of the biggest guys in the company right now they've all said I want to work with Punk but the guy who's been calling him out literally for years is Kenta you know Kenta yeah. has been calling him out and so I think that in in my mind why not you know that's one of those cases where it's like give the people what they want um now the interesting thing about Shingo Takagi is Takagi recently has been doing the uh commentary the Japanese commentary for AEW Dynamite on New Japan World um which people are raving over. They, they love, you know, his commentary. Uh, I've been reading a lot of the translations of that. And he has been in multiple instances talking about how he wants to work with some of these wrestlers. Um, one of the names that he, that he, that he mentioned, which I would love to see is Eddie Kingston. I would love to mm-hmm. see Eddie Kingston and Shingo Takagi. I think that they would have an interesting match. You know, I think it would be a bit of a different kind of match, um, for both of them, frankly. Um, God, I mean, there's just there, there, there's so many combinations, and at the risk of this being like a six hour show, not only roll up but also forbidden <laughs> door. Uh, you know, I won't go in. I won't go into too many more. But uh, I, I mean, where do you go with Okada? Because you can't you can't do Okada Adam Page like Hangman Page. You can't do that. And I'm not saying that there's not value in like putting your two champs in the ring together, but with based off of the type of companies that both new Japan and AEW are, I don't think there's nearly like, that's not what this show is about. Well, I mean, I, do you think there's going to be, I think there could be some trios matches in here. I think there could be too. Yeah. And I could see like page and, I don't know if he keeps up with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as like another one. They're like they're all the champs, maybe. And the, who who are the tag champs right now in New Japan? Oh, I'm gonna put you on the spot gosh. again here. Sam. Uh, <laughs> that's a really really good question, and uh, I don't have the answer. Well, for you right off it, the bat, I mean, but you I will could have like a, all the champs <laughs> together, you know, on both sides with that, you know, and that's like that's the gimmick with it. But it's really it's like sure. you know, Okada and really you know you know you could switch the titles beforehand and have whatever team you want in there. As part of that too, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and then of course, you know, one of the other uh, uh, big names would be you know Tamatanga. Like, what do you do with Tama? Because I mean, I think that like he's got. Mm. Um, oh, it's Great Okan and Jeff Cobb are the tag team champions. Mm. Um, which again, you know, there's some tasty potential matchups there with with Okan yeah. and Cobb versus pretty much anybody on on the roster. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I you know it's uh, the other thing that's interesting, of course, is that New Japan has you know the the weight division, um, whereas AEW does not. But I mean, there's some you know there's obviously a lot of potential for like a Darby Allen um, to get in the ring with you know I mean I I I just feel like there's there's a lot of opportunities for this. And if you put Darby Allen in the ring with Hiromu Takahashi uh, or um, uh, El Desperado, um, I mean, I, I yeah, take my money. Like, I want to see those types of matches without a doubt. Um, you know, we haven't even, of course, gotten into the potential for, you know, any kind of faction warfare. Like, do you have, um, uh, y- you know... Um, do you, do you decide to take um, chaos and, and and like you say have some trios and uh, you know or, or eight man matches where you, you know you're pitting chaos against um, you know the elite uh, right. uh, you, you know or, or are you are you getting um, uh, you know there's just a lot of mileage I think to be gained out of putting together uh, matches that our dream matches while also putting together matches that might lead us somewhere. Um, you, you know, uh, if you get LA, LAJ and, and, and Naito and, and, and Takahashi, uh, you know, teaming together, do you put them in the ring with, um, you know, I don't know. Do you put them in the ring with, with jungle boy and Luchasaurus? Um, you know, just what kind of, what kind of dreams can we, can we come up with? And considering that it's only two months away, uh, I imagine we're going to find out sooner rather than later, uh, you know, what some of these matches might be. Now, here's the other question. The last question I'll ask for you in the okay. build to this, how many, how many, uh, especially now that travel is starting to get worked out, how many names faces do you think we're going to see on Wednesday nights between now and then? Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this with the okay. AEW crowd yeah. being what it is. If, if they don't get to a big market city between now and June 26, before the show, uh-huh. have the lights go out and hear that coin drop. They're missing one of the biggest possible pops that they could get. Because if they bring Okada over for a dynamite yeah. to challenge someone to do anything, just to stand there and look at the crowd, the yeah, place will think, come unglued. Th- there's got to be, there's got to be a couple, but I mean, like, yeah, how do you do it? I mean, do you have it announced as a promotional tour for for this guy beforehand? You know, like, because they're gonna want to do like, you know, make advantage of his of his time there, or do you just have it and then it's like, boom, they have all these things set up with like, you know, with 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 that person up up until the time of the event. I lied. There's one more question I want to ask. Yeah, Jay White. It looks as though there's a very good chance that we could get Jay White and Adam Cole, whether it's a singles match or we mm. get Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Bobby Fish, Jay White, and you know, and, and partners of his of his choice. Um, if to me, Adam Cole doesn't beat Jay White. If you put them in a singles match, how, are we negatively impacting Adam Cole's trajectory by having him lose another big match? Cause he's already dropped three matches to Adam page. That is a question. Another question that I'd just bring up, does this event count towards AEW standings or is this it like a lights out yeah. match, you know, with it being a cross promotional thing like that, or is it that count towards AEW records? I, so here's, here's, here's the thought that I have. Cause if not, then <laughs> yeah, Cole's definitely losing, <laughs> but here's, but here's the thought that I have about that. It it presents a wonderful opportunity for 
more matches down the road, especially mm-hmm. if let's say we put all these dream matches together, but no titles are on the line, or maybe we have a title on the line, or like we put the never open weight title on the line or something like that, you know, oh, that would make uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, or you even put a ring of honor title on the line. You do, do put a title on the line that if it changes hands, it's not going to necessarily affect the overall structure of the top of my card. Right. They might not do that, though. They might just go whole hog and say, like, we're not going to deny the fans. Fans want to see these matches. We'll give it to them. But if they go the other route, I could absolutely see a scenario where if we're having a trios match, a champion gets pinned, and then whoever pinned that champion gets to challenge them for the title. Whether that means we got a New Japan guy coming to AEW, you know, on, on Wednesday nights to challenge for the title, I'm, or we get an AEW guy TNT flying to Japan. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, we didn't even talk about Sammy. All right, all right, all right, all right. <sighs> enough, enough, enough. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's 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 talk about our main event. Uh, let's go directly to it. Mister Four Twenty himself, the one and only <laughs> Rob Van Dam. Um, when's the first time you saw Rob Van Dam? Uh, I was going back to the last matches. There, I'm pretty sure the the first time I saw him. Now I did not get to see him at least live. Well, are you saying live or on TV? On TV. Oh, First time you ever right. saw him. So, uh, so on TV was was in ECW, but it was like the very end of ECW. I think was he he did did he make it onto the uh, TNT shows there? Yes, or the uh, uh, um, TNN shows. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I, he did. Yeah, he broke I think his that's where I saw him first. Was was there? Yeah, yeah. Like I think after he came back from his injury. Yeah, because um, I got that, into ECW very late, so. I like, hey, like ninety nine. It wasn't. It wasn't always easy to watch. Let's be completely honest. I mean, it was. It was not. It was not like you could just you know dial it up and 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 and, and you know or, or turn on your streaming service and, and find yeah. it. I mean, if unless you were living in certain locations, uh, although I guess you probably were living in a location where it was on TV. But <laughs> oh, I don't know you because that was during a time where like when it really came to rise when I wasn't watching any wrestling from like ninety four to ninety eight. I wasn't watching any wrestling. Um, okay. and, um, yeah, ECW, I guess, you know, started like, right. Well, my friend, um, uh, was into ECW in Philadelphia and they, when it first started there and right before going to college. And so by the time we got to college, that's when it was really kind of getting a little more notoriety. It was on sports channel in New York, but I was already out of New York and done DC and I don't think we got it though. Oh yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're yeah. So, right. so I never had even had an opportunity to get that. So unfortunately, yeah. so I never got to see his early time there. I did go back obviously and see some of those, you know, key matches that he had there. Uh, but when was the first time that you, you saw him? August 2nd, 1998. Uh, and the reason why I know that date for a fact is because okay. it was Heat Wave. It was the Heat Wave pay-per-view, 1998. Mm-hmm. I ordered that uh, and watched it at home. And uh, I remember, too, the thing that was great about it is that you got, like, um, you, uh, like the replay. Uh, and, and so I didn't um, – at the time – I I watched it. I honestly can't remember if I recorded it that night, but because I got the replay for free because I ordered the pay-per-view, I recorded I remember recording the replay and I showed it to a couple of my friends. I was like, "Guys, you got to watch this. You got to see this." Um mm-hmm. and um 
it wasn't just because of their match. I thought they were the whole card. And I mean, to this day, there are a lot of people that think that was the best ECW pay-per-view ever. Um, you know, you open up with just incredible Jerry Lynn, they go for 15 minutes, you know, have a great match. Then you get Chris Candido and Lance storm. They go for about 10 minutes, have a great match. Then you get Masato Tanaka and, and Mike awesome. And they do what they do probably have the match of the night, you know, just awesome stuff. Then you come up to the world tag team title match with Rob Van Dam and Sabu taking on Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki. And, you know, 20 minutes later, I was just sort of like, what, did I just see, uh, <laughs> you know, cause it, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was just wall to wall action and, and a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't the, the best match on the card necessarily, but there was, you know, there was definitely, um, some opening spots and I, I, I certainly knew who those guys were after I saw the match. Now, to be fair, I'd already seen Jinzei Shinzaki because of his time as Hakushi in WWF. And I remembered his match with Bret Hart. So this was like seeing him in this setting, it was just really cool because it was like I was seeing something different, you know, um, to come to think that a couple of years later, I'd see the great best of the great Muda tape where he has the bloodbath with Muda. And, you know, again, I saw a completely different side of him. Um, but you also had the Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow match. And then, of course, the six man tag team street fight. And the thing about the six man tag team street fight between Spike Dudley, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer and the Dudleys is that that match, probably more than any other match on the card, helped to kind of set the trajectory for my love affair with ECW because of the history behind it. Because what happened in that match, uh, in, in the hype video that they played prior to it, there was all this talk about Beulah and about how the Dudleys broke Beulah's neck and Tommy Dreamer was out for revenge. And for me, you know, for 17-year-old Sam, that was all I needed to be like, I want to know more. And so all the tapes I started ordering were from the beginning of that feud, which of course took me back to Raven being an ECW. So I was watching all of this stuff from 1995, 1996, and Rob Van Dam didn't get into ECW until 1997. So it took me about, you know, almost uh, not quite, but it took me almost like two years to see I guess only about a year. It took me about a year to actually start to see when Rob Van Dam came in and uh, and to start to see some of those 1997 shows and those 97 pay-per-views and to see Rob Van Dam. And of course, you know, the huge like thing with Barely Legal where he came out in the middle of the show and bitched about how he didn't even have a match on Barely Legal and how he was, you know, going to go with WWF and he was going to be Mr. Monday Night. And that helped to lead into the whole, you know, ECW invading WWF and 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 now Rob Van Dam's going to leave and go to WWF so he's a sellout so he's a huge heel everybody hates him but of course you know they play it to perfection because you know he sticks around and what does he do he beats all their guys and you know finally he becomes the TV champ and when he becomes the TV champ he goes on that legendary run getting ahead of myself point is <laughs> is that like that heat wave show was responsible for you know my love of ecw which got me into the product which got me going to the shows when i moved to pennsylvania which of course got me at the tape table when i started buying all these tapes and some of the tapes that i was buying of course were like the best of rob van dam but you know getting all of these like comp tapes um and the thing is is it's like when you hear best of Rob Van Dam, you're putting together that list of matches. You're thinking that these are all like, you know, big pay-per-view matches or, you know, I have to tell you something about RF video back in the day. Oh boy. <laughs> when you bought those best of tapes, they were really actually more like shaky fan cam tapes that oh, like, you yes. know, like the best of. So all of a sudden you're seeing them in like white plains, New York before 50 people, you know what I mean? Like best of was definitely a, a bit of a misnomer for those tapes. That said, it was really cool to see some of that stuff because 
normally you'd never got to see that kind of thing, right? Like right, right, for right, me right. growing up and, you know, watching wrestling throughout the eighties and in the nineties, you saw what was on TV. You saw what was on pay-per-view to get to see some of this house show footage to get to see some of that stuff was always really kind of cool. Um, of course with ECW, it was a little different because there wasn't much difference between what you saw on their TV or their like produced tapes versus what you saw on their house shows. Whereas like right. we know WCW and WWF guys, like, they would wrestle different matches on house shows than they would on the TV stuff. You know, they might wrestle a little differently. They might get go a little longer. They might, you know, get a little color. They might, you know, all sorts of stuff. So with ECW, they would have the same one over and over and over again versus, you know, TV, they might mix it up. But yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. Whereas in ECW, it was basically, you got a different card, like almost every night. You know what I mean? Like it was sometimes like they just threw different guys together. Uh, You might get a few headline matches that were the same night after night, but the, you know, the undercard would be maybe a little different or vice versa. Um, Anyway. Rob Van Dam. Uh, so yeah, the first time I saw him was in that tag match and the athleticism, you know, was definitely something that immediately I was like, wow, this guy, this guy's built a little different, you know, physically he was built different than a lot of other wrestlers you saw. And, uh, the, the way he carried himself, the, you know, his, his ring gear, uh, everything about him, there was definitely something that stood out. Uh, and I, I think that, where the trajectory that he was on over the next year. Um, I I mean, he just, to me, he changed the way that I, that I looked at wrestling and not always necessarily for the better, quite frankly. Um, you know, looking back at some of the stuff now, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, but at the time, those matches, especially that when he got to the series of matches with Jerry Lynn, I mean, I knew whenever I got to see Rob Van Dam in a match, A, he was going to bust his ass. Mm. B, he was going to do, you know, something. There, there would be some sort of crazy thing, some dive into the audience, some, you know, huge cannonball, what, you know, whatever. There'd be something kind of crazy. Um, and not necessarily Sabu crazy, not, not dangerous crazy, but like artistic crazy, like athletic crazy. Um, and I appreciated that. And then, of course, again, the matches with Jerry Lynn were just, I mean – those two guys like peanut butter and jelly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think we were both talking beforehand. We were trying to figure out what matches we've seen of Rob. I think both of us have seen Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn in person as well, which is kind of cool. It is. Yeah. I got to see it, see it in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Uh, It would have been uh, March 25th, 1999, um, which was uh, right around the time of their Living Dangerously match, I believe. Um, And uh, it was the second show that I saw in Wilkes-Barre. The first one I saw was uh, two days after Christmas um, in 1998, um, which was main evented by One Man Gang taking on Shane Douglas uh, for the title, which was actually just right before Shane Douglas dropped the title to Taz. Um, yeah, uh, you know, those, again, those ECW house shows were just always kind of crazy. You got so much, you know, bang for your buck and a lot of different oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the cards were always layered. Um, anyway, this isn't about ECW. This is about Rob Van Dam. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, seeing, seeing Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, it was the main event. And I, I don't, you know, I honestly, I don't remember too much about the match, but I do remember that they did, um, they did the spot where, uh, 
Jerry Lynn uh, got crotched on the on the top rope, and you know, and then Fonzie uh, held up the chair for the for the Van Daminator. Um, and and I remember I was sitting you know front row for that, and it was right in front of me, like right in front of me. Um, and and I always thought that that was super cool. Um, but it's funny because I. I got to the point in his TV title reign where I expected, I think a lot of people expected him to drop the title to Jerry Lynn. And when he didn't drop the title to Jerry Lynn, I started to think that it was just going to happen randomly to the point that I remember there was one pay-per-view where they put on Rob Van Dam versus Balls Mahoney. And I thought maybe Balls is going to win the TV title. There was a, a Rob <laughs> Van Dam versus Bubba Ray Dudley match, I think, where I thought, are they going to give Bubba the TV title? Like it got to the point where I just wow. kept expecting like, he's going to drop the title sooner or later. Right. Um, and the answer to that was was basically no, because no. <laughs> um, he held that title until he got injured. And I yeah. remember, and I remember being so uh, you know so bummed out um, when he got injured um, because it was not it, it you know it, was, it wasn't part of the plan, right? I mean, here he'd held the title for almost two years, um, and you know he drops the title because he he gets injured in this crazy fashion, um, as opposed to, uh, y- y- you know, somebody, somebody going over or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just always remember being so bummed out about that. And I felt like it really did start to change the trajectory of the company. Uh, I, and yeah. I mean that sincerely, I felt like things really started to change when he got hurt. Um, because it was like, it was almost like, Paul Heyman didn't know what to do. Um, yeah, it's a big, big part of the show is the Rob Van Dam match. So many times that was the main event over the title match, you know, right. even. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, it was definitely a big thing. And I think, yeah, a lot of people were really interested in him. And there's a big, you know, that was a big reason to watch. I know once I think I, I first started, you know, hearing about him, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and that, that was, he was probably the guy I was most attracted to. And then, you know, kind of coming out of, uh, ECW and into WWE, you know, when he first made his debut, I was very excited. I'm like, oh, cool. We get to see him now against all these guys that right. Dion didn't get to see before. So, yeah, yeah. You know, one other thing that I will throw out there real quick, just a couple of random memories about Rob Van Dam is that, uh, again, I loved his whole Mr. Monday Night persona because I felt like it really got him over as a heel with the ECW yep. faithful. And I felt like it helped to kind of cement his status within the company. I loved the the few, the sort of mini feud that he had with Sabu. I thought it was wonderful that, you know, that in, in real life, and a lot of the fans were kind of smart enough to know this, that that they had trained together, you know, that they had kind of come up together, that the, you know, that the Sheik had, had taught both of them. Um, and that... That, you know, that they had that real life relationship. Now they also had this kind of on screen relationship, but they also had this rivalry, you know, who was better. And, uh, and I thought it was really cool. It played out well. It gave Sabu something to do while Taz was off doing something else. Cause Taz and Sabu, of course, had had the big feud before that. Right. Um, I thought they had some really cool matches, including the stretcher match that they had. The one egg that I do feel like they laid. And this is, this sucks because I love both of these guys. They were two of my favorites in ECW. I never, ever, ever got into the Tommy Dreamer, Rob Van Dam feud. Never. Those matches, I just, 
to this day, if I see those matches, I'm just kind of like, this is like oil and water, man. They do not mix. It's not the, not the right type of heel for Tommy there. No, yeah. no. Because the thing is, is like, you know, Tommy's really great when you put him in the ring, you know, with with uh, with another brawler, um, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, or, 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 or if he gets to kind of play the underdog. But putting him in the ring with somebody who's like, the, the the athlete it just mm-hmm. doesn't it just doesn't mix and and so i never right. i never got into it i never bought into it um it, you know I, I i know why they did it but it just wasn't my thing um but overall i would say when it comes to rvd and his time in ecw and you'll have to forgive me listeners because we're pretty much just riffing on this we didn't like we didn't plan this out like we planned out like the piper one we don't have travis here like we did for the midnight express not that we would have travis for rvd i don't think that would be his cup of tea but but like <laughs> no. you know, but like yeah we don't we, we we didn't plan this one out like we've planned some of our other spotlights we just wanted to do this for fun so forgive me if i'm missing we're just go with it man yeah. come on oh um, good RVD420 says, I just smoked your ass. Uh, can I say that on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so so his time in ECW, I feel like, was um, you know, was pretty remarkable for all the things that he did. I have to say that also when I look back at his time in ECW, it's pretty remarkable for a couple of the things that he never got the chance to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's because of the injury and because of the trajectory of the company as a whole. Right. Um, now, he did kind of get to make up for that in a way, which leads us into the next phase of his career, which of course is mm-hmm. WWF. Um, when they first brought him in, yeah, the crowd was super into him. Oh, yeah. And then they pretty much buried him in short order. Um, they had Triple H beat him. Um, they had, you know what he I mean? He lost, like, but he was still featured pretty heavily against a lot of the big guys. And it was very featured throughout the whole invasion angle. I set it up. I felt like he was never taken seriously. I felt like they gave him the intercontinental title and he had a good run with the title. Um, That's but, good. I, but I, but I felt like, I felt like by the time he got to the feud with Triple H, and the whole team with Kane and all that sort of stuff. I just, I, I, to me, I felt like by that time he was a bit of an afterthought. I didn't, again, I I didn't buy into a lot of that stuff as much. I don't feel like he was placed seriously. Like some of the other people on the card were, um, you know, I know he had the whole feud with Christian and Jericho, uh, for the, for the IC title. And, 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 and that turned out some good matches, you know, there was some, some good stuff about it, but I never felt like, I never felt like that was what the pay- the people paid to see. Not that that's not what people were paying to see. I never felt like that was the story I was being told by WWF. Do you yeah, know you know, I, I I see what you mean. Yeah, he didn't really have the big stories going on. He was kind of like, hey, it's Rob Van Dam. It's kind right. of been the thing. There wasn't really something really a, a hook to him until, um, you know, the, the, the part that I know you're going to talk about here is is the whole ECW revival. Exactly. Then, and uh, One Night Stand Part 2. And that's when, and that's when things changed in 2005, you know, in 2005, I think that it was one of those situations where everyone, Vince included, realized that if we're going to go with somebody, that this is who we have to go with. And the, you know, it caught fire. It really did. I mean, people were super, super freaking into it all. Um, They, you know, they were so into RVD. Um, they were so into the idea of like ECW coming back. That first one night stand show is still a great show. I, I, I think it's by any standard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that, 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 that one of the other cool things that kind of set him apart is the way he decided to cash in. 
He didn't cash yes. in like we'd seen like some of the, you know, like the, like the uh, running out at the end of the match or whatever. Yeah. The ultimate opportunist sort of thing. He cashed in in such a way that said, I want to match with you and I want it for the title. And I want it under the best circumstances for me. Right. You know? <laughs> right. 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 Uh, because yeah, I mean, obviously you go into the uh, Hammerstein ballroom, uh, you know, that's ECW country. Uh, <laughs> and again, the, I mean, Looking back, and we're not talking about John Cena, obviously, but looking back on what John Cena was able to accomplish in the course of that match, in the course of that evening, is a testament to how great John Cena is. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was such an incredible moment. And I think one of the things for me being an ECW fan, it felt like a payoff of something that frankly should have happened five years before. Um, Right, right. But that's okay, because sometimes when things don't happen as maybe they could have or should have, you get to have an indelible moment like we got at that, you know, in, in the main event. Now, I will say, if I'm being hypercritical, and why not? I'll take the chance. <laughs> uh, I would not have had Edge involved in the finish of the match. Now, I know why they did it. I know why they do what they do. Right. But if I'm booking that match... I have RVD go over clean. I don't need Edge coming in to win the match for me. I get you. I get you. It is an iconic part of it, though. And, you know, and the fans' reaction to that is like, yes, no, Cena's definitely going to lose, you know, too. And I don't know. It, it, it fit. It fit a little bit. But um, I, I, I know what you mean. You want RVD to really go over clean big in the, in the, in the home state, in the home. Yeah, yeah. I I thought, you know, I I thought to me that I think it would have had even more of an impact. Now that said, again, that's me being hypercritical because again, the impact was awesome. You know, um, there's no doubt that it was, that it was pretty great. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that unfortunately, um, you know, things happen and shortly thereafter, uh, You know, you're just cruising down the road and feeling good about yourself and celebrating 420 a little late, maybe. And before you know it, you're uh, you're suspended and you're stripped of the title. And now you can't you can't have what you should have maybe had. Uh, well, you're not stripped of the title, but he drops the title and, you know, and then drops the ECW title, too. Because that's the other th- cool thing that we didn't mention is that, of course, he was not just... WWE champion at that yeah. point. He was also the ECW champion, so he's holding both belts. Um, and I get it. I mean, you know, WWE, they they had their policies. They have their policies. The funny thing is, you flash forward 17 years, and they are now today celebrating by sh- selling a T-shirt. Uh, RK Bro 420 says, I just smoked your ass. Right. Uh, they're selling that T-shirt. And they have admitted, you know, pretty much been crystal clear about this, that we don't punish anybody for marijuana anymore. And the thing that, that they're not talking about, which he has hinted at in multiple interviews, the reason why they don't do that is Randy Orton, because Randy Orton pretty much told them, I'm going to do this. And if you want to, you know, you do whatever you want, but I'm going to do it because it's what I want to do. And obviously they're not going to touch Orton. And, 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 you know, and that's one of those things where it's like, you've got, you've got certain people in the company that they're able to affect change. and, And that's what Randy Orton did. So if you're in WWE and you want to smoke them, if you got them, you know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, too bad. Rob uh, couldn't back then, but, uh, right. 
but again, well, he's he's still he's still continued on and had a good career after that for for a while. He so. absolutely did, and and it's worth noting that you know it didn't it, much like the ankle injury, it might have changed the trajectory, but it did not necessarily lessen the impact of what he had already accomplished. You know, the, the ankle injury did not lessen, lessen the accomplishment of holding that TV title for almost two years. The, you know, the, the, the drug arrest and, and, and suspension and, you know, losing the titles did not compromise the fact that on the night when it counted most, he won that belt from the guy that counted most. Um, you know, and, and overall, his, his his initial you know WWF run, it did give us some great matches. And I, I was maybe a little too harsh in the beginning. Like I I, I don't feel like I, I don't feel I feel like it took them a little too long to do what they could have done with him. But it, when it when the time did come, it was awesome. So you know, I, 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 overall, I think that his initial run was actually pretty cool and had some cool moments and some good matches. He had the IC title runs. He had the you know the the WWE championship run. Good for him. Um, when his contract expired, he left. Uh, he you know did some indie stuff for a while, uh, and then of course you know uh, he showed up in TNA. Yep. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I was not watching TNA then, so at that point, you know, he kind of went out of my purview for quite a while. He had an interesting, you know, I, I felt like he had an interesting run uh, in TNA. I mean, you know, he was the the champ there for for a time. He came in and, and pretty much, uh, you know, was was kind of shot to the top right away. Um, and uh, you know, he had good matches. Uh, you know, I mean, he beat AJ Styles to become the champ. Uh, you know, at Lockdown. Um, I, I I don't have any problem, honestly, with his. Uh, with his TNA run, uh, I, in so much as you know, TNA kind of just wanted to sort of, you know, recapture stuff. Uh, yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. Like they tried absolutely. to get him. They tried to get him in matches with Jerry Lynn. They tried to, you know, they 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 had Tommy Dreamer. They had Raven. They had you know Stevie Richard. They so it was kind of like they were just sort of trying to rehash things a bit. Um, whereas the one thing I will obviously give WWF is that they at least took him in some different directions and did some different things with him. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, good, good for them. Uh, yeah. You know, and his T, but his TNA run was good. I felt like he, you know, he accomplished a lot while he was there. He was usually on top of the card. He was drawing fans. He was, you know, he was kind of the reason um, for a lot of people, I think be taking interest in the product, which, you know, good for TNA in that respect, they were able to get somebody and bring them and say, Hey, you know, look at this. Um, and, and, and in some ways, I think if I'm a serious wrestling fan in 2010, 2011, and I'm tuning into TNA, uh, with all due respect to big names like Sting and Hulk Hogan, etc., I'm probably going to be more interested in seeing what Rob Van Dam is going to do because I know he's going to bring it in the ring, you know? Um, oh. and, and I think that Sting proved that he could absolutely do that as well. I mean, he was still having great matches in TNA uh, and I think his TNA run is very underrated. Um, but, but overall, I mean, I think RVD was, you know, still kind of in the prime, whereas Sting was obviously, you know, in the, in the waning days. Uh, although here we are in 2022 and he's still going. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, I was going to say, I did see uh, Rob Van Dam in TNA once uh, live because I, I did forget. I did go to a TNA live event in New Jersey with Jeff Guthers. I wasn't watching TV regularly at all at that point, but he was there and we did uh, take a picture with RVD uh, in the, in the ring. Then. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Um, you know, and then and then real quickly, I mean, post TNA, he he did this thing where I feel like it was kind of smart, where he did sort of the sporadic 
appearances, uh, you know, in yeah. WWE. Yeah. Uh, I felt like it was good in a way, you know, it made him feel, it made him feel kind of special. You know, he came in, he, he took part in some matches, uh, some was big in the matches. rumble there, like out of nowhere. I remember the one year too. Yeah. 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 He did a few money in the banks. He did, you know, um, yeah. but he was around and he was used well. And even though he wasn't necessarily uh, again yeah. in the main event, I felt like they used him well, all things considered. Um, you know, he, he, he kind of banged around the, the Indies for a while there too. Uh, he, he made a, a return to impact for a, a brief, uh, amount of time and, um, you know, left them in September of 2020, uh, and, uh, you know, eventually made his way to the WWE hall of fame in 2021. Yeah. I think it's a very fitting, uh, Fitting place for him, I think. You know, when you kind of factor everything that is kind of under the WWE umbrella, you know, what they broadcast on their network, like, I think he's a very big part of, you know, the history of, of wrestling there, for sure. And never very deserving. I completely agree. I feel like he kind of bridges a gap in so many ways. I yeah. think that with with what he brought to the ring and what his style brought to the ring, you know, you, you can see like a through line between guys like a, like a Brad Armstrong or a Brian Pillman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and he bridges the gap between them and say, you know, guys like uh, Amazing Red or AJ Styles or, you know, I really feel like, RVD is is the the piece that links all of that. He's the connective tissue. Um, and, and Triple H and Vince McMahon, you know, are on the record of saying he changed the style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's clear that that his his impact is is felt to this day in a lot of ways. Um, I I think it's in in some ways um, his legacy has taken a bit of a backseat uh, to others right now, perhaps. Um, and I, 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 you know, it's funny to say that cause I'm saying that knowing full well that he just got inducted into the hall of fame uh, a little over a year ago. Um, but I don't necessarily know that he's, um, that people are talking about him or that he's as present in people's minds as he could be. I'm not even saying should be, but as he could be. So, right. uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, where his legacy lands, maybe like a decade from now. Um, I will say, you know, kind of, kind of, to to, to close up that uh, I loved the fact that his style was also pretty hard hitting. Uh, I, you know, this is no disrespect, obviously, to Eddie Guerrero, who uh, we've seen do the move, you know, thousands of times, and and in in many ways was kind of the the number one guy you think of when you think of frog splash. But uh, that said, Eddie's frog splash was pretty and gorgeous and amazing. Rob Van Dam's frog splash looked like it would kill you. Yep. (laughs) And and the best, I mean that in the best way possible. It looked like it hurt him too. You know what I mean? Like that thing had impact. Uh, I love to split like a moonsault. I love the rolling thunder. Like he just, he did. Great, great moveset. That's what, that's always true to him. Yeah. Just such a unique moveset. Absolutely. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You hit it right there. He was so much fun. He, he was, is, continues to be so much fun. Um, and I think that anytime you see an interview with him, anytime, you know, you watch a match, you're going to, you're going to have fun. Um, and, and that's a quality that, to be completely honest, we don't necessarily always see when it comes to our wrestling. And, 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 and that's okay. But, but he, he was always fun, and, and I appreciated him for that, and I'm grateful for that. You know, and it's kind of crazy that even though I saw ECW like half a dozen times when I was living in Pennsylvania, that I only got to see him wrestle once because he was just not on the card. Or I, yeah. believe, I believe one of, the, one of the cards I saw was after he got injured. Um, 
but hey, at least I got to see him versus Jerry Lynn, even if my memory is is hazy. Um, happy four twenty. Four twenty, Rob. That's not. That's not. That's not why. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think that. Um, I think that yeah, you look at his career, you look at the accolades, you look at the things that he's done, um, and he's definitely deserved of being, you know, in in anyone's Hall of Fame. Uh, and I think that uh, it'll be again, it'll be interesting to just kind of see where his legacy lands, maybe ten years from now. Um, and, and and yeah, I, I I think that there's a lot of great matches that you could go back and you could watch, uh, for me, if I'm going to, you know, recommend any matches, uh, of course, go to the Jerry Lynn matches, you know, the yeah. living dangerously match specifically, I think, uh, from living dangerously 99, which was actually two days before I saw them. That was March 23rd. So I actually saw it a couple of days after the living dangerously pay-per-view. Um, Cool. Uh, I, I, so, uh, so to bring this kind of to legends there, I just simulated a match between Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn on yeah. the uh, play-by-play simulator. And after, uh, let's see, a Van Daminator, um, uh, Rob Van Dam was disqualified after a minute and 50 seconds. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> but you know what? The refer- you know, uh, Jerry Lynn said to restart the match, so we're restarting the match. And... Uh, let's see here. Uh, a lot of fatigue going on. Uh, oh, this is a long one here. Oh, now Jerry Lynn's been disqualified after eight minutes and 44 Turn seconds. Turn the disqualification I gotta do off. that. You turn the disqualification <laughs> off. Damn it. All right, let me see here. Hold on. Last time. All right, yeah, I'm definitely done. I just got disqualified again. Yeah, this is ECW rules here. Come on. What am I thinking? All right, we'll have to come back to this here uh, while I get this all figured out. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I would certainly say those matches with Jerry Lynn are, are kind of the benchmark for him, but the truth of the matter is you could go back and you could watch just about any of his matches, except the ones with Tommy Dreamer, uh, and you would find something good. He had some great matches with Lance Storm. Uh, he had some great matches, uh, obviously with Sabu. Um, the match he had with Balls Mahoney that I mentioned earlier was a great match. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I've heard, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the, the thing is, is it's like Balls you know, I, I think is one of those guys that you just think of as, as being a bit of a garbage wrestler throwing chairs and, and whatnot. But, um, but he could go and he had a legitimate collegiate background as well. A lot of people don't know that. Like he was, he was an amateur wrestler, um, before he ever got involved in the pro scene. And, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, he's got a really interesting story, um, in general, but, uh, they had, they had a really good match. Um, I think that RVD, uh, also has one of the most fascinating shoot interviews that I ever saw. And I remember <laughs> when I bought the shoot interview, like the guy at the video table told me might've actually been the, the guy whose name is on the door, which skews me out, but whatever. Uh, it, you know, and he told me, he's like, he's in character for the whole interview. And I was like, I don't care. Like, and I didn't, I didn't care that I was going to get a shoot interview where the guy was in character for the whole time because it was Rob Van Dam. And I wanted to see what he was going to say. Now, okay. unfortunately, for the most part, it was, it was pretty bland. Like it was, he, he talked about some things, you know, that, that it was kind of cool, even though he was still in character, but so much of the interview was just very much him kind of dodging, you know, the, the real question and, 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 and kind of playing up like, um, 
the whole idea that it, was he going to go to WWF? Was he going to leave ECW? Was he going to, you know, all this sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 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 it did fall a little flat. It did fall a little flat. I'm not saying I should have taken the advice. I wanted to see the interview. Uh, but it had some funny moments. It had some fun stuff, you know, and, and there were some matches spliced into the interview as well. So, um, you know, I don't know if it was money well spent, but it was money spent. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, so breaking news here. I have rerun the match with the no disqualification rules. And after three minutes and four seconds, Rob Van Dam won the match with the frog, five-star frog splash, which I think is a very fitting. I, w- I, you know, I wish it was a four minute and 20 second match, but you know, I'll, I'll take three minutes and four minutes. You got to take what you can get, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've definitely run this well dry. Uh, <laughs> I thank anyone who's continued to listen through the whole thing. Um, like I said, we were just kind of riffing. We didn't really have too many notes planned for this. Um, but uh, I I don't really have anything else. I think that that does it. We've kind of talked about everything we yeah, can talk we, about. Yeah, you know, we talked week, about right? uh, announcements of future announcements uh, there. Right, um, right. And- uh, and I will say, you know, uh, we had th- there was no Legends teaser last week, but uh, there yes. was planned to be a Legends teaser this week, and we'll kind of make up uh, for some of that. Uh, I don't know, there'll, there'll be at least one week, I think, that there'll be two names in there, but you know, we'll, we'll see when that happens. Well, look, as as Mike said last time around, you'll be able to enhance your feds with some great talent uh, in this four-pack, and I think uh, a lot of things will become a, a little bit more clear come Friday. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, when that first announcement drops. It's a new name, too, isn't it? Brand new name. It is a new name. It yeah. Is a new name. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, be, be on the lookout Friday night. Um, and, uh, then we'll have, of course, another war games announcement on Monday and another yep. indies announcement on Wednesday. And then we'll be back at it with legends, uh, next Friday, I believe as well. Um, yeah. And then oh, we, we'll be looking, what? we'll be looking at the uh, pre-order will be in right in the middle of, of May. So we have a couple more weeks before the pre- big pre-order announcement still. Fantastic. And the plan, of course, because I know there's been some questions about this plan, of course, is still to try to mail late May. Um, late may is the plan yeah so yeah. that's what we're gonna do it's kind of a little bit more towards mid-may for the pre-order just so you're not hanging around waiting too long after your pre-order right uh, to get that so uh but yeah still in end of may there and then we'll get everything ready for uh, galacticon in july so as you mentioned three big releases there we'll have the um the, the next uh origins set uh will be there uh then for gwf and then we will have uh the uh ipw impact pro wrestling yes. uh indie set will how many be cards is going to be in that set has that been confirmed yet i don't think that's been confirmed okay yet. there's like okay. a couple numbers throwing around it'll say for sure it'll be 36 we'll, right it's gonna be yeah, 36 <laughs> cards i think yeah <laughs> oh no wait 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 if chad's doing it confirmed. if chad's doing it let's be honest it's gonna have 69 cards <laughs> oh no no <laughs> no no um, this, this one's completely gone off the rails. Can we have 420? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not that many. Not, uh, not even right. 24 just yet. But maybe, you know, in a couple of years, if people really like it, you know, we can continue to go on there and I'll like, you know, get like more of the legends of IPW and stuff like that. Who knows? But I think right now it's going to focus on kind of the main core people totally, yeah. uh, that are part of the promotion. Uh, it'll be a limited edition set too. So, nice. um, but uh, but it'll, it'll give you everything you need. I think we, there might even be uh, some females in there as well. So, um, 
Very cool. Yeah, should be mm. good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And then, of course, we also have the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame set. Three. Of course, that's the big one there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna yep. be awesome. There's yep. some so we'll we'll, we'll have. Uh, so I kind of mentioned before that um, you know that uh, lad that first weekend of June. So just to, to mention that, we'll have a little more details on hours and whatnot. But June third, that Friday night, uh, is the plan to have uh, the first announcement uh, for. Uh, the TNT set will be that night. Uh, and then, uh, so we'll, we'll cover it. We'll have that as well as, um, you know, some different tournaments and whatnot. Galacticon tickets will go on sale as well. Then too. Awesome. So I love it. I love it. Exciting times as usual. So we're going to continue the March to the May releases. Uh, but obviously, uh, looming behind all of that, uh, the big Galacticon releases. So you'll be able to get your COTG fix, your Indies fix, and of course, the Legends fix. Um, I'm over the moon, man. I cannot, I cannot wait. Uh, it's going to be awesome time uh, here in Chicago. Uh, I know some people are going to be getting here early. There's talk of a uh, baseball game. There's talk of pizza. There's talk of all sorts of cool stuff. It's one of those things where it feels like a vacation where you got so much stuff planned. You're never going to be able to get it all in, but that's yep. okay. Cause it's going to be fun time and fellowship with promoters. Um, really looking forward to that. And obviously the releases are, I, I, I mean, people are really going to be pretty, pretty blown away by some of the stuff that, uh, that is, that has been cooked up, um, you know, and, and yeah, I see Tom's been busy. He's been, uh, tweeting, uh, tweeting and Facebooking out about some of the different things he's been writing there. And, uh, I know he's got a lot of the artwork, uh, underway for the new set. So exciting stuff. I know nothing you know, about anything. Actually, I maybe know one character, something, but I, I've been sworn to secrecy, so I cannot reveal that character. What I would love to see, uh, I know, I'm not even supposed to reveal that I know about a character that I could possibly know about. So I'm even breaking that oath right now. What I would love to see, um, and we should talk to Tom about this because obviously we'll yeah. have him on the show. Yeah, yeah we'll have everything. him on before Galactic Um, sure. but I would love to have a video podcast, a video episode that we do where we're able to share some of the art in process, because I know that he mentioned uh, at the last con that Mm -hmm. he and Daryl had been working in a different way this time around. So it would be really cool to see like, you know, that, that, that early art, that first piece of art, how that sparked things, where that might've taken him to have that conversation. So I'm put it out there into the universe uh, I, I think yeah, that, that, that would, that would really probably cool. have to be after Galacticon because yeah, there's that's no what I'm way saying, he's yeah. going to do that before. I'm saying after, yeah, 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 yeah I'm saying after, I think that's a great one after. for afterwards for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I you know obviously we'll get to have a fun time uh, talking to him at Galacticon, even though he's not going to be there in person, um, right? We're going to be doing. Uh, like I, a, it's to be determined. To be determined. All right, to be right, determined. He very well might be there. He's trying to figure out all of his summer plans still, so not a hundred percent. But he's going to try to be there. No one of his daughters lives uh, nearby, so like I think you know he may, might might make it worthwhile to come up. Hopefully, so. very cool, very cool. All right, well, uh, this is the second podcast I've recorded tonight. Uh, there's been a lot of other things going on today. Uh, I've got rehearsal tomorrow. Uh, I got I got full time dad duty. Uh, so I am finally going to shut up and uh, let our listeners' ears rest. Um, but I think it's time for us to get out of here. What do you say, Todd? 
Like it sounds like a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, happy 420, everyone. Uh, have a have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Uh, thank you so much for your, taking the time to listen to us. Uh, remember to hit that uh, subscribe button. Uh, give us uh, a review. Hit those five stars. Um, you know, let's let's boost the podcast as best we can. The more listeners, the more promoters, the more great things we can hope to accomplish. Um, and of course, always a shout out to everyone else out there who is creating amazing content, including of course the Legends crew over at Uncharted Terror. Grant with the Phil Searing Games Fan Podcast, Lee with Dizzy Dice, uh, Mike Fortune, and Brock with their wonderful character spotlights over on YouTube slash Facebook. And of course, Brockster builds YouTube, or excuse me, Twitch channel as well. Um, but anyone who's taking the time to uh, to do anything, and, and that includes everyone over on the, the Facebook, um, Phil Singer uh, Games Promoters uh, Facebook group, um, you know, posting results, uh, continuing the conversation. And of course, everyone over at the message boards doing the same thing. We thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And we'll be back next week with an episode that I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Well, I think I have a... Oh, no. We, oh, we, I think we might have an interview next week. Yeah, we have an interview next week. Holy smackerel. <laughs> this one you should prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this crap you did tonight, Sam. I'm actually be prepared next week. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to announce so, yeah. who we're talking to. Can we do that? Uh, let's wait. Let's let's make it a surprise because I think it's going to lead into the uh, Legends announcement next week. So. Fair. Good point. All right. Well, in that case, uh, we are out of here. This has been Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. For Todd, I am Sam, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>